everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This day has just started out too fun. Um, my guest, Carrie Ann King, a.k.a. Carrie Schaefer, and I have a long-standing joke about goats. Um, it goes back a long way. <laughs> but um, And then while we were in the green room, someone called into the studio and ask for an unknown person. I have no idea who it was. And I said, well, you've called into a, ri- a live radio show. And she said, yeah, right. <laughs> this would only happen when Carrie Ann King is here in my studio. <laughs> in case you don't know about Carrie Ann King, she's the alter ego and touchier feelers, um, a doppelganger of fantasy and paranormal thriller writer Carrie Schaefer. Um, she's the author of Whisper Me This, uh, Washington Post, and Amazon charts bestseller, as other works of women's fiction. Um, Carrie Ann is the proud possessor of a tugboat. We're going to ask her about that. A Viking, <laughs> who is her husband, and 40 acres of rocks and trees in the middle of rural northeastern Washington. Um, she is also a licensed RN and licensed mental health counselor, a writer mindset coach, a coffee snob. Um, she's kept in line by three cats. The dog has nothing to do with it. And the aforementioned Viker, Viking. Um, she also is Did my you colleague. <laughs> I'm telling you, Viker, Viker, Viking, Viper. Okay, okay. okay good. All right, got it. <laughs> She also has a podcast in this network called Creativity Quest and her Right at the Edge of Writer Mind page. I'm thrilled to have with me today best-selling author Carrie Ann King. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back. Hi. I feel like I should <laughs> intro with like a bah or something. There you go. You know, I had I thought about it earlier, I would have looked for an MP3 with, with goat sounds on it just to kind of announce us as that is our our personal thing there. (laughs) So besides that, um, you're in northeastern Washington. What is your weather like? Um, You know, today it's going to be sunny, I think, but it's cold. It was below freezing last night, and the night before it was down to like 20. So we're, uh, we're moving into winter here already. Yes, you know, here in southwest Florida, we have two seasons, hot and hotter. Right now, we're still in hotter. It's 90 degrees, but uh, blue skies with puffy white clouds and a teeny little breeze that if you stand very still, you might feel it. But um, all in all, we don't worry about snow or things like that. And when someone says, send me a picture of your trees turning, I say palm trees are green (laughs) all the time. (laughs) So then you're kind of missing out because it's absolutely gorgeous right here. Most of the leaves are already fallen, but we have tamaracks, which are one of the very, very few um, trees with needles. They look like evergreens in the summer, but in the Uh fall. Uh-huh. they actually turn this beautiful gold color and then they shed their needles later in the season and they're all just absolutely full-on gorgeous right now you know here's the difference um i may have year-round greenery but i never have to rake leaves and i never have <laughs> to pull out a snow plow i don't have to you know shovel the sidewalks 
other than to get the mulch out of the way that's been newly newly installed in our the condo development here. So, you know, and I grew up here. I grew up in Miami, so I'm used to it. The I have yeah. been, you know, when there's a change of seasons, it's beautiful. I've been to New England many, many times. But for the most part, I don't mind it. Um, I did try <laughs> going north one time in the winter. I went to a conference in Chicago in February, which should be oh my really goodness. Ill- it should be illegal to do conferences in February in Chicago. That, that was oh, bitter, God. bitter cold. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Wicked. Oh, the wind yeah. and it's humid. Oh, I lived yeah. there for a year. It was like, ooh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. And um, interestingly enough, not because of that, but that was the last year that they had that conference. Um, I, I, well, maybe it was because of that. I don't know who wants to go to Chicago in February, but, but I got to see friends, so that was nice. So listen, you have this great new book out um, called uh, Everything You Are, and um, already, already you've just climbed up the charts. You have well over 450 reviews on this on Amazon alone. Congratulations on its success. Thank you. You're welcome. um, um, This story, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I wasn't going to say anything important other other than just obviously I'm very excited about that. Oh, and I'll tell you the little secret that nobody knows while I'm at it is Whisper was recently translated into German and is currently number two in the German Amazon store um, in the German translation. So that's my really fun little secret thing is that I get to go look at that every day and smile. Oh, that's cool. fabulous. Congratulations on all the success. Thank you. Now, when you, it's funny because you've only been on this show as Carrie Ann King and not as Carrie Schaefer. <laughs> so, Whisper This has well over 2,800 uh, uh, reviews, making it a, a complete smash hit. Um, is this a follow up book or is this still a standalone? Totally a standalone. Um, at this point, all of my Carrie Ann King books have been standalones. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't. I'm I'm playing with the idea of doing um, a novella or something to follow up on everything you are with. Those who have read will know what I'm talking about. There's a group yes. called the Adventure Angels, and um, yes. some people are curious as to the stories of the characters that uh, attend the Adventure Angels meetings. So I thought it might be fun to kind of give some of them a story and write some novellas as follow-up. Oh, yeah, it would be beautiful. You know, um, I, this novel spoke to me as a former pianist, um, who is unable to play anymore. And um, mm. so I, well, I had been a, a, a victim of a violent crime, actually, and it destroyed my hand. Mm. So so um, I was really invested in this story. And um, uh, although I did not become an alcoholic and did not lose my way for 11 years, I just said, right. you know, okay, okay, I'll, I'll never play in front of people again. <laughs> you know? Although I can't yeah. resist the urge when I pass a keyboard to play something. Uh, it's not very good anymore, but I'll still do it. Where did this story come from for you? You know, I've I've kind of, I'm trying to remember where it came from. It came from so many places in my life. For for starters, Mm -hmm. I was married to a musician for about 20 years. And I remember we saw a movie um, about a a brilliant pianist who 
nearly drowned and um, lost her hand. And when they rescued her, then it shows her at the end trying to play. And my husband at the time looked at me and said, you know, they should have let her die. Um, <gasps> he was a musician. And that really hit me at that time and is something that yeah. I remember clearly, yeah. um, knowing that then that would have been his preference were he unable to play. Um, and so there was that. There's all of the people that I've worked with who've dealt with um, the alcohol. But really where it started was with a character, and originally it was um, the teenage daughter in this book, but fast-forwarded till she was all grown up, and the cello. And I had these two people, the cello is really a character in the book, and the two of them started the story and got me thinking. And then the cello really was the first really well-developed character because I knew that there was going to be a cello in this book and that it was going to have a sort of soul of its own and a, and a will to be played. And so it just kind of all built from there. It's funny that you say that because I re remember uh, now all of my brothers and I took some type of um, uh, musical lesson and my brothers, his children all play at least one or two instruments. So mm -hmm. music is very prominent in our family. And, um, and I recall there were times when I'd be walking by the piano and I think I just have to play. Even if it was just for myself, even if I was just clunking around and, you know, trying to work out some some music, it really it calls to you when you are when you have that. Now I was not um innately talented. I I was actually um trained at, to to play very, very well, but it didn't have it in my soul. I think the way most brilliant musicians play. So, but this was a very moving story and I liked it very much. Um, what compelled you to begin writing, Carrie? I think just, I love books. I, I have my earliest favorite memories go back to my mother reading stories to me and then learning to read for myself. I so clearly remember the excitement of beginning to see the words on the page and to understand how they fit together. And after that, I mean, I was always lost in books. And so it was really pretty natural progression from that to want to tell stories of my own, I think. Also, I discovered early that writing was very cathartic. So yes. if I was struggling with something or trying to make sense out of the world, um, writing it out really helped me to understand things and to kind of not feel things quite as deeply as a very sensitive child um, and, and young person and, well, now. <laughs> um, right. To, to just, yeah. So it, it really was kind of a natural progression, I think, to want to, you know, write, write stories. Interesting. Um, yet you maintained um, a, a very... Uh, interesting career as a mental health counselor and a, and a nurse. Um, what moved you that way? I, so, you know, that's a, that also is a very interesting question. I never really felt that it was okay for me to just be a writer. I actually grew up in a very um, straight-laced Christian environment in which we read books, but the idea of actually writing them was not, it was it was not the sort of thing that was encouraged and sure. I felt I needed to give 
to the community, and so I originally um, took my nursing training, hated it actually at the beginning, and, and quit as soon as um, I was possible to do so, raised my kids, and I went back and did the counseling, because I was like, I'm fascinated by people, and uh, emotional journeys, and psychology, and all of that, so that seemed a natural mm-hmm. progression also, but I, it took me a really long time, uh, actually until the death of my husband, just before I turned 40, to begin to take my writing seriously. It was a, a real wake-up call for me in that, you know, I've lived my life very safely and I've done all the things I thought I was supposed to do, but what if I die tomorrow and I've never gotten around to writing a book, which was something that I'd always dreamed of doing. And that's when I really allowed myself to become serious about writing. So you write under your own name and you write under your your nom de plume, Carrie uh, uh, mm-hmm. King, uh, but you write completely different styles, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I do. Um, and, and that's just fun. I've always kind of felt like I had a split personality anyway, so it, it, I don't really, but it, it's, uh, it's fun because Carrie Schaefer tends to delve a little more into the dark side. I play with some very dark themes. I've, I've had moments where the Viking will be reading and he'll look up and he'll go, you're really scaring me right now, <laughs> <laughs> which I just love because, you know, my face to most of the world is this really fairly um, generous, caring, considerate person. And I do have a very dark inner demon that just lurks. And so it's very fun to let her play in the Carrie Schaefer books. Um, and then Carrie Ann King is more kind of grown out of my experiences personally with grief and as a counselor and a, and a nurse with other people. And so I really do love those growth stories and they're uh, also very fun to write, but it's a, a different sort of a feel uh, very much from the Carrie Schaefer books. Um, it's interesting to me that you said that you said, I have a darker, you know, side, a deep, darker (laughs) side, but don't, don't most people have a a darker side? Oh, probably. I, yeah, I think most of us do. A lot of us aren't aware of it though. I kind of cherish mine if I'm really honest. (laughs) I like her. Um, and she gets to be really snarky. And so when I get to write characters, Carrie Schaefer has a series called the shadow Valley, um, mm-hmm. series and for those of you who love those books you will be happy to know that I'm seriously planning on starting a third one here shortly um, Maureen in those books gets to say all of the things I've ever thought and kept to myself well there you go <laughs> so much fun um, to write her. Uh, um, do you have a preference over what you're writing and if not would you like to delve into a different type, a different genre, maybe? Um, you know, my favorite genre to read is fantasy. I absolutely I love it too. adore fantasy. So I do know. I. You and oh I were going God. on and on about a couple of those books. Yes. Well, Libra Dugo's book, by the way. Did you get? Uh, did you get I, the new one? I put your name on the, the list Ninth to get House. the new yes. one. Yes. Yes, yes, I did. I inhaled it in a matter of several days. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I love reading fantasy. I might someday want to write another fantasy. Um, I, I also adore mysteries. I recently finished the other one I just read that I absolutely am in love with and have to write a review is uh, The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Yes. This is just 
brilliant, absolutely one of the most brilliant pieces of writing I've read in a really long time, actually. Um, anyway, I, I'm intimidated by those, though, because I don't know that I have the skill to do something on that sort of a scale. So, yeah, I don't know. I might. I might delve into those. One of these I just days, can't something. imagine you not jumping in and trying it. I mean, you have nothing <laughs> to lose except for a little bit of time. And the fact is, probably you're going to be really great at it. Well, I would love to be great at it, but you know, as authors, we all, you talk to enough of us that you know that we doubt ourselves profoundly, and although I've developed some excellent um, skills and tools for for coping with that, there's still that, you know, that huge self-doubt that says, should I really waste my time on this when I know that I'm good at writing, you know, this other book and can make money at that, and should I really give myself time to play, and the answer is yes, absolutely. Well, I understand that. I, I understand that. Tell me about your tugboat. <laughs> the tugboat is awesome. We encountered um, the Viking had actually bought an old car, uh, Studebaker, and it was still in the shop. And the guy who had the Studebaker, we were over there working on the car. He also had this tugboat out in the yard. Um, and the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And Randy said, well, I'll sell it to you. And I was like, no, no, what would I do with a tugboat? Well, I went back a couple times, and every time I went back, <laughs> I was just, I love this boat. So, you know, the Vikings like, well, you know, we could do some kind of project, renovate it, and turn it into a little writer retreat for you. So I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So I bought it. And uh, we have it now sitting out on the land on our property looking out over a beautiful ravine and next summer's project is to start turning it into a, a place where we can go hang out. You're this is really cool. You're not on the water then. No, no, we're not on the water at all. This tugboat will never float again. He is pretty rusted. He actually has an interesting history. He was part of a a dam project um, up here in northeastern Washington. And when the dam was completed, the iron workers built him um, to move things around, um, you know, in the water while they were building the dam. And then he went out onto what's Lake Roosevelt now, and his job was to help clean up floating wood that was out there. There was a guy who used this boat to um, pull logs and saw them and clean up the, the mess made from the from the dam. And then after that, he just got beached and was resting quietly away. Randy found him in the woods and took him to his place, and then we had him bring him up to us. You know, um, it's funny because you refer to your tugboat as he. Don't most people (laughs) refer to their boats as she? Well, you know, I don't know, probably, but he's (laughs) definitely definitely a he. Wasn't there some kind of kid's tugboat story that was a guy boat I don't know I named him after my dad's nickname actually my father's nickname was Mr. Big and uh, so that's that's the tugboat is Mr. Big are any other members of your family both on your on the parental units and children creative carry 
Oh yeah, absolutely. My um, my mother was amazing. My mother passed recently. Um, she was active up until the day that well, not up until the day that she died, but a couple of weeks before she died. She was uh, art was her thing, and she painted and she drew things and she was exploring. You know, she was in her 80s and still um, learning new techniques. And as a matter of fact, one of the very last things she did was enter a painting into the local art walk, ask for it to be juried, not so that it would win a prize, but so that she could get feedback and learn how sure. to improve her art in her 80s. So I totally had an inspiration for that. Um, my two sons are musicians, both of them, you know, not just musical. I'm musical. They are musicians. Um, probably also played into um, the writing of everything you are. Um, my Viking actually is very musical. His kids are creative. Yeah, it's I'm surrounded by creative people. That's really cool. I love that. Uh, my mom was very creative. I don't know that I inherited any of her creativity, but um, but what good parts of me came from her? The the rest I don't blame on her. <laughs> you know, the other stuff isn't her fault. <laughs> Let's talk about (laughs) everything you are. Let's tell listeners about this book, please. Okay, so everything you are centers around the lives of three people and a cello. So our main characters are Fee, who has inherited from her somewhat mysterious Luthier grandfather, a Luthier business um, where she repairs and builds string instruments. But she has a few very special instruments that were created under some possibly extraordinary circumstances, which her grandfather never told her about. These instruments all have a contract with their owners. So whoever owns this instrument is bound to play it and if they don't then something bad might happen possibly even potentially a curse which is something at the beginning of the book Fee isn't entirely sure that she believes or not. Braden is one of our main characters. Braden is a cellist, a world-class cellist who has one of Fee's instruments in his possession. Unfortunately, he, um, before the beginning of this story, had suffered an injury to his hands, is unable to play, and has therefore stopped playing the cello. Bad things are happening. And his teenage daughter, uh, who also plays the cello, um, is in a very bad way as our story begins because her mother and brother have just been killed in a car accident. So these three oh. people are tied together around the cello, around this loss of their creative freedom and need to find a way to get back to the music in a healthy healing kind of a way. And there's a love story with Fee and Braden as well because you know, every good it's- book needs to have at least something lovey yes it does it does it does it's a lovely story uh it's just when i think of the cello i think of course of yo-yo ma uh, and others Mm -hmm. who play and and it's such a beautiful it's a very sensual instrument um and i think that people don't understand that that it really has a life of its own if you listen to a master playing it so um this book really resonated with me as i said at the beginning of the interview i liked it very very much um do you read your reviews carrie uh carefully <laughs> i i know not all of them you have to, i read you, i read some to, of the good ones and i try to avoid the bad ones because i find them demoralizing right Mm -hmm, right Mm -hmm. you've got to curate those because um i think 
some people when they write reviews, as you know, the network has a review staff, and um, they, I think they're taught that they do an ob, a subjective review, which tells the story, and then an objective review. I mean, a, a objective uh-huh. review first, and then a subjective, which is their thoughts on the book, and um, right. and so I think a lot of people don't understand really how to review. So, for example, um, I have received books where the pages are upside down or chapters are missing. I don't blame the author for that. I blame well, the God. publisher for that. <laughs> yeah, but but some right. people do. Some people do. And, um, or, you know, if it's not my cup of tea, I'll just say it's not my cup of tea. You know, it, it's just my opinion. It, it may not be anybody else's. And I, I so, right. and I actually try never, never to send a bad review. I have to review under a pseudonym, obviously, when I review on Amazon. But, um, mm-hmm. But I, unless a book is really horrible and everybody's touting it as, as you know, questionable, I will say, this is terrible. Doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I, and I will say exactly what I think is wrong with it, and that I, you know, I did not enjoy it, and I, 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 I am mm-hmm. unhappy about it. But it's once a year that I do that. Now you know I read five hundred books a year, so so if I'm only reviewing one time bad then that's something. Otherwise I just don't even bother. And usually yeah. those are my net, my net galley reviews. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, you know? Well, that's where I'm at Which, too. I, I don't review things if I don't like them. Honestly, I, I right. only review the books. I feel that I can actually give a good review to. Otherwise I just right. keep my mouth shut. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I think that, a lot of people just are angry in the world, and so they're going to be angry even yeah. at the books they read, which is really unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's it's unfortunate, but, that you know, I'm sad about that. Um, do you regularly review books that you read? Not as often as I really feel that I should, honestly. I try because I know how important they are. And so um, when I read something, especially if I really love it, I, I really do try to make the effort to, to get on there and leave a review somewhere. I know how much I love getting those reviews. And so I right. also feel like it's good karma, right? <laughs> keep well, keep the is. good flow going for everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. so I have a question that I, I like to ask occasionally, not very often, but – you know, I support the authors that I like by buying their books. Mm-hmm. Am I then obligated to support them further by giving them a review? You're not obligated to do anything. So, because I <laughs> That's think, what I would say. <laughs> I think Amazon is the one who 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 has made it that you've got to review. You know, it makes it feel like you have to review a book to be fair to the author and, and that's yeah. because of their algorithm. And, and so that's the reality of it. But um, how do you feel about people who buy books and use bookstores? Well, I, why wouldn't you? I, <laughs> I, I buy books and use bookstores all the time. If I come across a book that I want to read and I see it, you know, I, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Reading is a pleasure and it's a gift. And we're, there are things happening that begin to spoil that for people. Like I know readers who feel so obligated to read things that they never enjoy any books that they read anymore. And that's like, yeah. let's not do that. 
I, I right. want you to love my book or not, you know? I mean, if right. you want to read it, read it. If you don't, don't. And right. take right. the guilt out I, of the equation. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm like books to me are mana. So if I'm mm-hmm. passing a yard sale and they have books, I'm going to stop. And I don't care oh, yeah. if I charge you 25 cents for a book. If I like it, I'm thrilled. I've spent 25 cents on a really great read. Uh, to me, that's a platform to go and buy more of that same author's books. Oh, sure. Absolutely. If you love it. It's like my my very first book that I read of, um, oh, gosh, Elizabeth Peters, the um, Amelia, the Peabody Mysteries. I love uh-huh. those books. I picked yeah. up like number six, I think, free. Someone was giving it away at my job. We had a free book table. And I read that book. And I was like, well, hell, I'm reading all of these now, right? So then I went back exactly. to the beginning and I bought them right. all. See, I now own everything. See, so you do the same them, thing so. I do. You go oh, back absolutely. and you find when you have to start from the beginning. When I first started yeah. reading Preston and Child, I I did that, and they have a lot of books out with the Pendergast stories. So <laughs> I went to the used bookstore and I bought I you know printed out the book list because that's a, a sickness that I have. I have to have them in order, and I have printed <laughs> right. book lists with me in my car in a special folder. So whenever I'm at the store or the used bookstore. I grab in my list and then I will read stop until I get the next one. It's just, but but the, well, the truth of it is though, I have, you know, I'm very blessed that I get a lot of books from publishers and from authors. Right. So um, I have the, the, you know, an embarrassment of riches there. I, if something doesn't, trip on me the right way if it hits me the wrong way I can put it down maybe try again or there are just some books I know I'm not going to like that and I I don't even bother but I give those away I give those books away again right um you know someone else is going to love them that's that's the whole thing you know there there are books that I read that don't I'm just like really and then I see (laughs) all these other people raving about it so yes we love what we love and read exactly life's too short I've started I know a lot of authors feel guilty and they read works by other authors that they feel that they should read or I I'm really resisting that because I got to a point a while a few years back where reading wasn't fun anymore and it was horrible because this is one of my life's greatest pleasures and I really made a conscious decision at that point that I'm reading what I love and that's you know that's it I I will read a few other things for a review or whatever that I you know have said that I would do but for the most part it's a, it's a love affair thing. Yes, I, I think so too. I um I have made the mistake of of saying yes, I'll read your book when someone says, you know, will you will you do a beta read for me? I'll never do that again because oh the one, oh and then yeah, if you don't like it yeah, oh it's yeah. terrible yeah <laughs> I got myself in a bad situation there. I read the author's first book, which I thought was brilliant. The second one she sent to me was 900 pages, and I... the first par- yeah, the first paragraph out, I knew I was making a mistake that I would regret it. And then how to go and say, you know, I I can't tell you what you want to hear about your books. That was my right. ego getting in the way. So now people say, "Will you beta read for me?" And I say, "No, I really can't." I'm, and and for the right. most part, it's because I'm I'm reading my guest books, even though I read very fast. 
uh, and yeah. I love reading. I, I just can't. I don't. I, I don't want to set myself up to hurt somebody's feelings, you know. And it's it's right. Exactly. You, know, you you writer types have you know you get your feelings hurt pretty easily when someone doesn't like your we stuff. We do. Yeah. Well, it's like somebody telling you your baby is ugly. It it really you know. I, it, listen, <laughs> I I have had guests say to me, "You are so stupid. You don't know what you're talking about." And I say. You know, oh I God. learned some. Oh yeah, but I, I always just say, you know, I learn something new from somebody every day. So, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, I get off the radio People. and then I'm stomping around the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but it is what it is. Um, Carrie, when you are on, I want to talk about Creativity Quest because it's a brilliant program. Oh, sure. You've gotten a lot of attention from our, our our different podcast sites and everything. Let's talk about Creativity Quest. Tell everyone what it is, please. Okay. <laughs> Creativity Quest is, it's, it's shifting just a little, so I have to think about this very carefully. Creativity Quest is designed to focus on the creative process. So mostly for writers, but for other people as well, to bring authors on the show for kind of an informal conversation around writing and creativity um, and how they deal with creative challenges and things that might be inspiring for other people as well, writers and, and others, because most of us have some kind of a creative um, process. And I should say authors. I mean, I said authors, but it's not always. I've had a couple other people on the show, um, like my um, – my narrator for my first three Carrie Ann King books came on the show. Um, that was really fun. And, you know, just some other creative people doing creative stuff. And we just have a, I try to make it fun and informal and engaging. Does this, um, are you just trying to tell me that everyone has a something creative, they just have to figure out how to find it? I believe everybody does have something creative. You keep saying you're not creative, but you know what you have created is this whole radio empire. <laughs> well, that's not an empire. Baby. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that you. word. I mean, it was working for me. <laughs> but, you know, you look at people say, well, I'm not creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I hear that. And I'm just like, all right, I want you to find me a four-year-old child who is not creative. Well, that's true. And but you're, I, you're I not going to. I think adults pound that out of kids when they're a little older, though. Um, just like, you know, you yeah. were saying that you always wanted to write, but, you know, you felt like you came from this practical family, and so you, you felt like you needed to do something practical. Um, right. So a, lo a lot of it gets shoved out of us. I, I think I'm creative with certain things. Um, but let me ask you this. As a, a writer mindset coach, and right, and right at the edge, your page, um, are those all interwoven together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, er everything's interwoven together. It all, it all centers around writing because that's my world. Um, everything I do want to do is pretty much meet, uh, books and reading, right? Reading and writing books. And so all around that, then I have the creativity quest, which brings these fascinating writers into my world um, that I get to talk to, books I maybe would not have ever read. 
and new things to learn, which is just so much fun. I love that. And then the coaching other writers is passing on, giving back some of what I've learned right. and also having contact with other creative minds because that's, you know, I'm building a life where I am surrounding myself by creative minds and creative people and all the things that I love. And it's just absolutely fantastic. Will you tell everyone where they can find you on the webs, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I, the Carrie Ann King is easy. That's just CarrieAnnKing.com, and it's spelled K-E-R-R-Y-A-N-N-E King.com. It's always Anne with an E, like Anne of Green Gables. And then you can find me also at WriteAtTheEdge.com. So that's as it sounds, right at the edge with the W as in right. And Creativity Quest uh, is on Facebook. Let's see, what else can I tell you? I'm on Facebook also as both Carrie Ann King and Carrie Schaefer. I am on Instagram as Carrie Ann King, and that's with the underscore. And I think that's probably about all anybody needs to know. Um, I they should encourage you all- sign up for my newsletter. Um, I give away a $5 yeah. gift certificate every month. So, okay, sorry. Well, you, you, but you also have everything on your Carrie Ann King page and your, and your Carrie Schaefer page, all the places you want to find out, you know, you can go there and, and learn everything uh, that, mm-hmm. that we need to know about you. Uh, Carrie, I always love talking to you. Um, your next guest is a guy who, who's going to teach you about the art of goat herding. And so um, I'll be sending you, <laughs> I'll be sending you that book awesome. shortly. Give me that goat herding book. I know. I can't wait to get my hands on it. <laughs> hey, listen, I think I remember when you first started Creativity Quest, you were going to kind of not interview people. But you changed <laughs> your mind about no. that. You, were cha- you changed your mind about that, didn't you? I did. It was very anxiety provoking initially. I was like, I told Pam, I'm just going to talk. And I'd started, I was like little 10 minute talks about creativity and that was easy. And then she kept sending me these these (laughs) possibilities of people I could interview. So, you know, I finally, I was like, oh, all right, I'll try it. And then my very, very first one that I did, I I forgot to record it. And I was absolutely (laughs) devastated. I'm like pretty much in tears, you know, and I I call Pam and she's just (laughs) laughing. She's like, oh, it's just hilarious. It'll be fun. I thought it was great. (laughs) So it gave you a chance to go ahead and go back and do it again. But, but, you know, really your, your shows are very interesting. So I'm, I'm thrilled thrilled that you're doing it i'm glad to have you as my colleague in the network and we're we also have a good time together so this is carrie ann king the new book is everything you are i highly recommend it it's a beautiful book you can also go to our facebook page for our reviews called book review crew and see what everybody is reading carrie's book's been reviewed several times um as a matter of fact almost all her books have been reviewed and our staff seems to love every everything she writes. I hope you do too. Carrie, thanks for being with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Pam. It's my pleasure. Thank you listeners. And thank you, mom and dad. I'll see you later. (laughs) 